0: Listen, I'm not telling you again. This is the last time we're doing this. No retakes, nothing at all. Let it go. On dogs. (laughs) Well, listen. Sometimes you got to go to different areas to take something to the next level. I got to take you to the other side. I have no choice. I'm taking you there with me. Let's go. This is the Direct Deposit, episode eight. Let's go. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Direct Deposit, episode eight. You want to come go with me? We have a great episode planned for you today. On dogs. We're, if you're not from Boston, you don't, know, you don't even know what that means. You have to be from a certain area of Boston at a certain time. Early 2000s. To understand what does on dogs even mean? How'd that term come about? i taking you back to the Paul Pierce stabbing days, Boston. Taking you back to the times it wasn't okay to be outside. Before the big dig was even completed, it's a different Boston. It's more aggressive. Very, very different. You couldn't have people outside of Boston claiming that they were from Boston at that time. And you had to be introduced and brought in, like I was. Tell you how that happened. This is the direct deposit episode eight. Taking it to another level, man. I think it might be vulnerable. I might let you in, let you into the other side. I know I've been talking about the other side of the internet, but I'm going to let you into the other side of Shabazz. Direct Deposit Episode 8 on Dogs. Great episode planned for you today. We'll be talking about Kemba Walker, his injury. What does that mean for the Celtics? I told you it was about to be what was going to happen. You don't go 10-1 and you go on a Western trip and this is what happens. He gets hurt. He gets hurt. It's nothing against Kemba Walker, but he's in the danger zone right now. Kemba Walker is a black athlete, max contract, highly paid in Boston, and he's not working, and he's still getting paid his money. David Price has to call him up and warn him about what's going to happen. Don't play any video games now. we will talk about that. I'm going to give you a Colin Kaepernick update, too. What was going on with Colin? What, is, what did Jay-Z say about the situation? You want to talk about the wrong side of history. You don't want to get caught on that wrong side of history. The aggressive progressives, if they don't cancel you, will definitely make sure they catch you red-handed. You don't want to get caught protesting climate change. Like, are you serious? Do you not read science? Like, what's up? He has to bounce back from this right away. You on dogs. He has to bounce back Great from this. episode 8, because... because Kemba has to come back win. I don't know who was even entrusted game to be on the league. You're working when you Walker. You're in one of the toughest down. cities on the, in the Northeast. It's, he's in a serious now. People situation still go to work now. here Celtics when there's dropped, three feet of snow outside. And had you're had telling me you got place, a little headache and you can't play. And ask David Price what happened to when he had Tommy John as a black David Price has to really go back and talk to um He's hurt. Walker. He's not playing right now. And, and let them know. It's a serious situation. And, and let them him know exactly. because They peaked at 10-1 and 1 you know, when they went out working. there. He's doing a great he's job. They, and they, they've been rewarding him for that. But they ran into some top-tier league talent. And what happens when, when that happens to you? You're not playing against East Coast pushovers. You ran into the Kings. You ran into the Clippers. And you ran into the Nuggets. These are teams that have been rebuilding for a while. And they've been doing their thing. These are places where players will actually want to be. So they attract top-tier talent. David Price has to call him up and tell him exactly, has to call up Kemba Walker and do him that favor and tell him exactly what to expect and to get his ass back to, back to work. Because Boston's not going to accept that from you. If the team slips, they're not going to point fingers to Ainge. No, no, you're the scapegoat. That, that's the reason why they got you. They're going to say, whoa, we're paying him $120 million. He's, he's not doing his job. They're going to start coming at you Do your job. It's going to be a difficult situation for Kemba Walker because he's the one who's going to take all the blame. The team rises and falls with him. He's the face of the franchise at this point. No, it's not Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's the future face. They're not going to waste Jason Tatum right now. Kemba Walker's there to take a beating up front and personal. It's not Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's on a national scale. They don't want to upset Jason Tatum because Jason Tatum is a future potential superstar for the league. So with that being said, when you have a future percent potential superstar on your team, that guy can set his ticket. This is the NBA. Okay, Jason Tatum's not going to be doing a, a tryout begging to come back into the NBA. No. He's already on the A-class level, the top-tier level of players. He's already there. He has a Jordan contract. His name is known nationally. He's working out with Kobe during the off season, So, yes, Jason Tatum is legit. So he's not there. That's why they strategically put Kemba Walker there. Kemba Walker is a beating stick. Not Gordon Hayward. No, no. Gordon Hayward can take as much time as he wants. He has the privilege to do so. But Kemba Walker is that beating stick. I want you to pay close attention over the week on how they speak about him. And the reason why I even keep bringing up David Price is because David Price has been going through a traumatic experience with the Red Sox. The Red Sox aren't a good place to play for a black player. And I don't say that lightly. Um, during the 1990s, actually, about 80% of an MLB players that were black had a provision written into their contract saying, Do not, underneath no circumstances, trade me to the Boston Red Sox. Ken Griffey Jr. had it. Tory Hunter had it. Bernie David Williams. Justice had it. And the list goes on. Barry Bonds. Do not, underneath no circumstances, ever trade me to bond- Boston. Dontrell Willis. Juan Pierre. This is no joke. This is serious. Bunch of these guys... Black MLB players had written in their contract underneath no circumstances, whatever, do not trade me to the Boston Red Sox. It was so much of a problem that in the early 2000s, the Red Sox actually started overpaying black players to come along. Shout out to Carl Crawford. That didn't go too well. That didn't go too well at all. Carl Crawford actually recently came out and said, I just that place caused me a lot of hurt. And he's a millionaire. I want to tell you these are millionaires saying this these are guys that are making hundreds of millions they can be in a high rise and look down and don't have to get into the muck with people but even they're getting affected by it and they leave but boston isn't a place for cowards you got to have the courage to live out here Not, not not everybody does not everybody does you got to sit down and really dig in and say you know this this is how my city is am i going to change it am i going to change it and, and really give the pound of flesh that it takes to change it? Or am I going to go somewhere else? Living in Boston is like living on all Madden. It's like playing life on all Madden Hall of Fame mode at all times. And that's for black people, specifically for them. It's not for Dominican people. It's easier. You can link up. There's plenty other ways you guys are community building. That's for black people, all black people. doesn't matter if you're Caribbean Doesn't matter if you are Haitian. It doesn't matter if you are northern black or southern black. That's for you. It's a difficult place, man. We live in the regular the regulation is tough. That's all I have to say. I mean, if you read the law, what am I doing? am i a professor or something, man? I'm not gonna give you this game. It's, It's it's supposed to be sold, not told. Excuse me, sorry. But as I'm telling you about the, the Red Sox and Kemba Walker is the reason why I even got on that conversation was because of David Price. David Price is the highest paid pitcher in the MLB right now at $217 million contract. That's what he has. And if you, take a, if you just Google David Price and De- Dennis Eckersley or David Price and Boston Red Sox, you will see the stress that this young man has. This young man has been attacked. <laughs> and I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like you know the Boston media is rough, but they have strategically targeted David Price during his most vulnerable moments. David Price won a won propelled the Boston Red Sox to a championship, and he was still attacked the week after. This is the direct deposit. I'm giving it to you. Um, he was attacked because he's the highest paid black player. See, David Price has a chip on his shoulder. David Price actually tried to stay around the team when he was injured. And they gave him trouble for that because they said, "Well, he was playing video games." Gordon Hayward, while he was injured, was playing video games. They gave him a Comcast commercial. Look, Gordon. Gordon's trying to stay competitive. He, he's a competitive guy. His brain's always competitive. David Price tries to do that, and listen, he's lazy. He's very inappropriate. He's immature. It's just it's out of control. He he's out of control. He's just he he's 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 wrong. David Price stands up for a teammate. As a broadcaster, you know, was making fun of his numbers and stuff like that. And you, you told the broadcaster, you haven't played baseball in like 40 years. You don't understand what's going on right now. And I think you should lay off my teammate. And they called him a punk, a thug. They they, they routinely, during slow seasons, I mean, during slow times in July, they will attack, con- continue to give a barrage of media assault towards David Price. David Price is on his way out. Mookie Betts on the Red Sox is on his way out, too. Mookie Betts is one of the premier players in the MLB. But even he says he wants out. Recently, a story came out about Mookie Betts, about when he first came up in 2014, the trouble that John Lester and John Lackey gave to him. Two Texas Southerners. They wanted to enforce and let him know that he was a rookie and don't get your bridges too high. Don't get your ambitions too high. You're going to do what we tell you. They had never seen talent like his. In confidence like his before. They weren't accustomed to it. Those Southern, those Southern players do very, very well up here. Very well. I wonder why. They said that, you know, Mookie Betts was arrogant. There was an incident that actually happened between John Lester and Mookie Betts that was so bad that Theo Epstein, the GM of the Red Sox at the time, had to make a decision. Had to say, do I keep John Lester or do I keep Mookie Betts? And he chose to keep Mookie Betts, and he sent John Lester to the Cubs reluctantly. So, you know, he got transferred. He wasn't fired. He got transferred. And then he himself removed himself from the situation and went to the Cubs as well. Because he reluctantly did it. It was a heinous act. I'm not going to get into it. The direct deposit. Do you want to? Listen. A certain word was said um, to from John Lester to Mookie Betts. And it was heard in the clubhouse. Certain players, you know, they they, they were okay with that word being used against them. Because, you know, I know black. I I Dominican. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, su- su- son Frito. Yeah, you know, I know I know black. You you can say that in front of me. And Mookie Betts, who is black, who identifies as a black man. Um, took offense to that. And they tried to use the other person as a crutch. I know i black. And that's what happened. Yeah, you can put the pieces together from there. This is the direct deposit. We get an inside take. I had to speak to somebody on the Red Sox staff in order to get that piece. I will not say any names at all. We're not giving up sources on the direct deposit. But, you know, we do talk amongst ourselves. There's some people who are conscious about who they are and what type of system they live in. And they see other people that are conscious, too, and we speak to each other. This is the direct deposit. They're part of our listeners, too. We're a small collective group. But enough about all that. Kemba Walker is in a critical zone. He is in a critical position, judging exactly what happened with David Price. And we're applying this to the Celtics faithful. Now, the Celtics faithful, I got I got to give Boston one thing. One thing I do have to give the Boston is the garden is actually one of the most safe space zones in the city that you can go. It's a place that actually promotes cultural diversity. It's a place that you can go and not feel like the only you can feel safe as a as a black person there, as a diver, as a Muslim. You feel safe at, as whatever you are, however you identify, you can go there and feel and be yourself. You can be you there. I like the garden for that. I do. I feel safe. I, I I can bring my family to the garden. My head's not on a swivel. It's not Fenway Park. My head doesn't have to be on a swivel. Somebody might throw a banana at me. Somebody might be throwing N-bombs at me. You know, if my seats are too good, I might be questioned a little bit too hard. If my seats are too good, people might think, oh, these seats are just open in this area. Why don't we come sit down? That's the type of stuff that happens at Fenway Park. I've lived it. I've experienced it first place. I've tried to get my security incident report from my racial incident that happened at Fenway Park. They don't release them. You you need a good lawyer to get those because there's so many of them. This is a direct deposit again. (laughs) I'm letting you guys in today. This is on dogs, on dogs, on dogs. I'm giving you the accurate portrayal of everything that I'm saying. It's shocking. I've lived, a, I've lived a long life. Enough about Boston. Enough about Kimball Walker. Are you guys following this Colin Kaepernick fiasco? I know I talked about it last episode. I really did. I sat down. I talked about Colin Kaepernick. But this the week has gone by now, and nothing has taken place with Colin Kaepernick. Nothing. I mean, you no know, teams have called. I heard there's two teams interested. But no teams have actually stepped forward and come out since the fiasco. Jay Z has actually distanced himself. He said he went out of his way to get him a, a tryout. To get it was a official media. It was official tryout. It was at an NFL facility. Some releases had to be signed. They weren't signed, but it was his opportunity to showcase. And to be honest, I'm gonna give you my honest opinion. This is my opinion. I saw Colin Kaepernick. He looks a little bit flabby. He looks like a thirty-three-year-old. You know, it's okay, but he looks a little bit flabby. He looks like he hasn't played football. There's a certain tense intensity and tension and trauma that your muscles have to go through in order to stay, you know, ready and engaged for action. You got to stress them out, and I don't care if you're playing in the NFL. Your muscles have to be stretched out a different way. There's a certain intensity. You got you got to be used to getting chased. You gotta be used to being doing the chasing. It's a hunter's mentality. It's an aggressive game. You gotta be drilling at all times. This is not a game, it's a war. So, my teacher in um, high school taught me about, about football. It's meant to prepare young men to go into war. That's what it's there for. Your QB is your captain, that's who you listen to. He's gonna give you the play. You have men in the trenches, you have men on the outside, you have missiles that you're throwing. That's the whole mindset. That's what goes subconsciously into football. Then you can transition easily from football into the Marine Corps and go on from there. It's part of the American system. Shout out to Mr. Eastman. Really, man, really introduced me to all these different concepts. Lex- Alexis de Tokesville. Democracy in America in my sophomore year of high school. man. I mean, sorry. I'm going all over the place. But he explained to me the culture of America and What football represents. And that's what Colin Kaepernick's going back into. He's going back into a war zone as a Black Panther. We don't have Black Panther quarterbacks. That's what you represent. You're you're representing Black power by taking the kneel, by defying the system. That's what you did, Colin, whether you were cognizant of it or not. That's what you did. You introduced that element into the NFL. You introduced Black power into the NFL. And your effect into the NFL, too, is one of It's a great one. Look at what you've done overall to the black quarterbacks in the NFL. You've proliferated black quarterbacks in the NFL. You came in with Russell Wilson. It was you and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's very compliant. But even Russell Wilson dumped his white wife and married Sierra afterwards. Russell Wilson is, he's not you, but Russell Wilson stands on his own. Russell Wilson presents a positive black image. Positive, black image, family-oriented. How come I don't see Russell Wilson on commercials? How come I don't see Russell Wilson on nationwide commercials, progressive commercials? Because of what Russell Wilson represents. Represents family. You've inspired a lot of them. You've inspired Lamar Jackson. You've inspired Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett. It's all you. Jameis Winston, it's all you. If Cam would follow your way too, it would be all, listen, man, I, we got, I got love for Cam. But it's, it's, it's all you. You've done your work. You didn't have to go back. You don't have to go back. Continue on doing your work. You're more effective doing not on the field. Let the young kids play on the field. You're more effective doing what you're doing within the community. You make a bigger impact that way because they, they, got, they got these corn-fed boys. J.J. Watt is a freak of nature, he is a freak of nature. They don't make white boys that big. And to see him in person, just chasing, oh my good! And there's, there, there's another J, there's another Watt. It's T.J. Watt, younger, faster. There's Nick Bosa. These, these aren't regular, these are genetic anomalies. They don't make them that big, naturally, and that fast. There's a boy named Christian McCafferty, too. What? Yikes. But as I'm saying, the league has gotten faster, and you've been, you've been out the league now for three years. Three years is not enough time. It's, it's you, Your body has to be conditioned. Jay-Z was trying to get you out in front of these white people. He did. He did. He did. And he's upset you embarrassed him in front of all these white people. I'm trying to get you out here with these white people. That's how you going to do me. Jay-Z, I don't have anything to say, all right? I don't have anything to say. Shout out to Hov because Hov taught me a lot too through his music. I'm not critiquing Hov in any type of way. Because, you know, he, he, he birthed a lot of hustlers. He did. His music was some of the ways that I was able to learn exactly how to hustle. To be about my fiscal mindset. Yeah. That was Jay. But in all honesty, back to Colin Kaepernick, I really do think he's scared. I think he's scared. I think he sabotaged his, his, um, his tryout, his opportunity. Yeah, you don't want to go back to the NFL. This, this, this league that's supposed that runs off war. The NFL is the. The NFL is part of the military industrial complex. It is. It produces soldiers for the military industrial complex. If you don't know what that is, that's that's the war machine. That's the businesses that go into. The war machine. Why do you think? Why do you think they were so angry at you? You're promoting defiance. You're promoting defiance to their future soldiers. Don't, no, man, that's, the NFL is a unique American sport. That's our version of football. Football is a poor sport. It's a global sport. um, And it's universal. It's one of those universal sports out there that just people love so much. And it's just, the globe loves football, the soccer game. Because it's so simple, it can be played. You don't even need a ball. You can get doll heads, or you can get a bunch of paper and bunch them up. And, you know, you you make two makeshift goals in dirt, and kids can play. It's simple. That's what makes it so global. Anywhere in the planet, you can play soccer. That's why people love watching it, because they truly are. They've been doing this. But the NFL, you can't do that with the NFL. You need equipment. Hundreds of dollars of equipment. You need referees on this side. You need audiovisual equipment. You need machines to cut the grass. Yeah, it's a lot of things and components have to go into it. It's part of the military-industrial complex. It's a complex sport. There were key rules and regulations, and this is a yard. And, yeah, uniquely American. Very much so. So when I tell you all this, Colin Kaepernick, you can't go back into the military-industrial complex. You have to understand what you did, what you represent now within the military-industrial complex, which is called the NFL, which is what the owners are involved in, what their money is invested in. It's to, the NFL is there to promote compliance. And what you're doing is pr- promoting defiance. You went against the system. You brought awareness. You've changed the system. Your change is there. Your change is there already. Who's advise, who? Whose man's is this? Because whoever should have been really advising him should, should have really looked at the long-term strategic goal of protesting and Colin Kaepernick and tell him exactly, listen, you're more effective here. You're more effective in this new organization right here. You're more effective doing this, not going back on the NFL field. It's too much pre- You got to win if you go back now. And then you've been you've become deficient. And the league has gotten faster, younger, and stronger. That's what's the most scariest component. I know I said last season, last episode, you're suffering from symptoms of CTE. Con Kaepernick's like one of those old fighters, you know, that goes in and, you know, I still got it. I still got it and boom, gets knocked out cold. Yeah. Yeah, it's an aggressive sport like that. You can get knocked out in the NFL. You can. Just don't do it, Colin. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Going back to something that I transcended. Going back to somewhere where I made enemies with the people that control it. It's like sending a lamb out to slaughter. It's tough, man. I think if Colin Kaepernick did come back, he would have to come back to, it's the Patriots. That's where he has to come back to. Not the Raiders, not anywhere else. He has to come back to the Patriots because the Patriots have necessarily been the rule breakers of the NFL. Reluctantly, I am a Patriots fan. I am re- I am a Patriots fan. I've anal- I am a Patriots fan. I just don't like other Patriots fans. Kind of difficult to say. It's kind of, yeah. I'm an isolated Patriots fan because I'm not like a, religious fanatic of the patriots like the my 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 fans are like my local fans are it's like i observe football from time to time i i'm not in depth looking up at every single player that's on the team how well they listen i'm more of an nba type of guy I like the nba stories like what's going on but i observe football like i'm a casual watcher i might see so games are on sunday games are on today i could i'm going to glance at a couple patriots cowboys I'm gonna look at that. You know, I'm, I'm gonna watch it. I'm, I'm gonna go see my man BC. I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna watch a couple games. But yeah. But to say I in depth watch the NFL every single game, every single play, and then I replay that—no, no, that's that's not what I do. I I, I don't wanna do that. I don't. don't Who the time? It's not me, man. I'm not in depth of that. I know what type of system it is. I know what the NFL is there to do. I know what its purpose is. But to do all the extra stuff, no, I'm good. But since we're talking about protesting and football, too, I want to switch topics to you, with you. I want to talk to you about being on the wrong side of history, how dangerous that could be. Harvard-Yale game was today. Now, if you don't know anything at all about football, want to tell you that college football is regionally based all right some people college football is life for them college football reveals things about a region too if you pay attention to the last episode what i was telling you yeah there are whole states that revolve around their college football program there are state governments that all they promote is their college football program They'll divert resources. They recruit specifically from their state college to put people in departments because of their college football affiliations. I know of teams, of teams actually, of corporations in the Midwest that say, well, that, that have managing directors that say, all right, we need somebody from every single Big Ten school here to, to, pr- to promote cultural continuity and, g- and friendly competition. So we're looking for somebody from Penn State. We're looking for somebody from Northwestern. We're looking for someone from um, Ohio State and Michigan to be on our team, so we can promote. We are, we're looking for a Big Ten team, Indiana. So you strategically recruit from those. You have team. You have guys that recruit from ACC, SEC. Yeah, this this is something that's huge in America, global. I mean, national scale. We wouldn't know that in the Northeast where we live. I mean, where the I wouldn't know that in the Northeast where I live. Excuse me, this is a direct deposit. I want to clear up that. So I wouldn't know that in the Northeast where I live. Because college football is not a thing. Well, it's not a thing for common folks. But it is a thing at Harvard and Yale. It's one of the oldest college football rivalries there are. Some of the most powerful families usually go to that that, that game. The, the Harvard The Harvard-Yale game. I'm talking about Rockefellers, Bush, Romney, Kennedy. Names like that, First name basis, you'd know. They're the ones that are usually there. And during that game that happened today on Saturday, the 23rd, what actually happened, there was a protest. It was a climate protest. Hundreds of students stormed the field, stopped the game in order to protest climate change. These Gen Z kids, the generations coming up behind me, are not burdened with student loans. They're not concerned about that. They're not controlled or regulated by it. They're not controlled or regulated by even looking for a job. They're controlled and regulated by the climate. They're not worried about social issues. They're worried about the climate. The climate. Climate change. It's getting warmer outside. So, yeah. This protest happened in the middle of the Harvard-Yale game, in front of that audience of the, with the Romneys, with the Kennedys, with the Bushes, with the Rockefellers, all looking at this protest happening in front of them. Yeah. And the game didn't continue. These kids are pissed. They're, they're upset. They're upset. And I've seen the clashes between the generations. I've seen boomers go at these Gen Z kids. And I'm I'm a millennial stuck in the middle, like, whoa, what's going on here? I've seen it. In the area where I live, we have bike lanes that have been put on the roads. We also have terrible traffic. More cars are coming to my area now because my area has become a tri-state area. That's what it's becoming becoming a tri-state now there are two surrounding states that provide that people travel from commute from to come to my state in order because my state's the captain of industry for our region so they come here and they drive their cars more cars are on the road but climate change is really happening we're trying to promote green alternative solutions so we my, the city has cut the roads in half. now you have a bike lane. In a bus lane. And the area that used to be there for cars has been chopped in half. Yeah, that happened. Has been chopped in half. So it's one simple lane for cars. The rest is, there's two lanes for bikes and buses. Yeah. And I've seen older elements of where I live. I live in an extension of South Boston. Live in Winter Hill. And what happens with my neighborhood, Winter Hill, is that it's it's an extension of South Boston. The it's it, it's like you've you've gone over in a layer. You have gone over in Winter Hill. You've gone over the racism. You've gone over the prejudice. You put a lot of progressiveness over it, but that layer of racism. And those NIMBY types, not in my backyard, too much change, too quick. What are you doing? I want to bring the old Somerville back, the Make America Great Again crowd. Yeah, they're there, but these are Make America Great Again Democrats. Very different. And they're clashing with these progressive aggressives that are taking over the roads that are really pushing forward on climate change. I went to a congressional meeting the other day. My congressman came. Shout out to Ayanna Presley. It's amazing. It took my family to see it. It was important that, you know, my girlfriend and my daughter see that the way that, you know, she interacted with power, the way that power interacted with her. How they had to concede. It's amazing to see in an area that I grew up in that I know specifically, it's amazing to see power concede, to see people of the dominant society concede to Ayana Presley Ms. Presley, can, can I get a minute please? Yes to see how she noticed us as well waved, hello came by, had us take a picture it's amazing to be noticed usually in this whole sea of progressive aggressives, it's usually, you know, we're just in the background we're just here for the numbers that's what it was. It was amazing to be noticed and to say hello. But yeah, during this whole meeting, the progressive aggressives were there. This is the, the Gen Z types. And what were they doing? They were promoting regressive taxation on cars. There's a war on cars right now. Promoting taxing cars. Taxing cars are being there for even being in the city, taxing cars for being on the road, taxing cars by the miles, taxing, taxing, taxing. They're surgically targeting vehicles. But what they don't see, they're not culturally cognizant. What they don't see in the interim and what they're doing in the long term is they are culturally targeting those that don't have the resource. Because after you gentrify, what do you do? You tax and you regulate and you get the rest of them out. That's why the net worth of a Bostonian is only 8 A black Bostonian is only $8. On dogs. That's a real thing. But it's a cultural clash and it came forward at one of the most powerful places on the planet, Harvard University. And these guys were on the other side of history. I mean, it came through and they were on the other side of history. They're forcing this issue. It's coming forward. It's a lot of issues coming forward now. It's a lot. you got to really decipher. And a lot of people choose to put their hand, head in the sand or their head in their headphones and, and binge watch something else. you got to escape because the world's falling apart. I don't mean to depress y'all. But these kids are pissed. The planet's dying and nobody, nobody cares. I mean, so they're going to take your plastic bags. They're going to take your roads. Because you're not going to make the right decision. You've had how long? They're saying the the damage is irreversible at this point. Hmm. Climate change. I think there's a point to climate change. Because if ExxonMobil, one of the most powerful corporations in the world. It's not in their best interest for climate change to be even out and people are talking about. it. It's not in their best interest. So it's something that they should be able to suppress and shut down. Especially with their their vast amount of resources, but if they're not able to shut it down, it, it, there must be some truth to it. Exxon Mobil is one of the richest corporations on the planet. They can take care of a thing, a person, or a situation very easily, quietly. They got security teams; it's no problem. Exxon Mobil was actually running the the State Department. Rex Tillerson very important position in any presidential administration is the State Department. Yeah, they represent the government of the United States internationally. But, yeah, so climate change is a real issue. There is some concern there. There really is. And it's something that needs to be addressed, and I'm happy the generation behind us is addressing it, My generation is tangled up with student loans, and we love Bernie Sanders, because Bernie came out today, and he said he's ready to erase, cancel all student loan debt. Yeah, student loan debt is still a thing. Student loans. What is it about student loans that makes it such a thing? It's because it's not any type of debt. It's not a natural debt. It's not an organic debt that you occur. Student loans is the type of debt that requires you to have a dream and to want to do something to better yourself, and you're getting taxed for that. And even if you go through a financial situation and you you encounter financial ruin, you cannot get rid of student loan debt. They created some legislation. They lobbied, created some legislation. It can never go away. It's an unjust debt because it doesn't go away. It can never be forgiven. Even people's, even murderers are forgiven. People's sins are forgiven. The way the financial system is built, it's built off of Deuteronomic law. That's the second book in the Bible for some of you out there. And it's, you know, it's, any debt is forgiven after seven years. That's how our credit system is built up. Our credit system is built off of Deuteronomic law. Yeah. Seven years. It's forgiven. Debt's are broken. Back in the day, debt was how you got into slavery and bondage. Yeah. And to break that, you would need to do some things work for somebody in them, but it would only be for seven years and then you'd be broken and you'd be out. But in student loan cases, it's never that way. And then the interest is builds and occurs and occurs and occurs. It doesn't make any sense. Student loans does not make any sense. There's no reason why a government should be charging someone a positive interest rate because that's putting somebody into slavery. Did you know there are governments out there that actually charge negative interest rates? What? What's a negative? A negative interest rate is a rate that says it helps you pay off the loan. That's how a student loan is supposed to work. Hey, I'm going to give you this loan, $50,000, I don't know, four years. There you go. I'm going to put a negative interest rate of 10% on there. We'll have you pay it back in 100 years. I'm sorry, in 10 years. 10 years. And then within that 10 years, 10 times. You know, it builds up. Pay off 100% of your loan. You continue taking your payments just as you're supposed to. It pays it off over time. That's what should be assigned to a student loan. That's what should be assigned to a home loan issued by the government. That's what should be assigned to a, to a business loan issued by the government. It should never be a positive interest rate. No one should be making money off of you going to, get your education. Maybe they should start charging administration fees to administer the loans, but it shouldn't be a, a revenue generating item. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But that, that's just the money side of my brain working right now. It doesn't make sense. Student loans are unjust. And Bernie Sanders is offering to cancel them all. But that's the reason why they kept Bernie out of the race last time. Because of that. Because that type of talk right there. You're going to free a generation, Bernie? What? got to chill. Relax. Slow down. Yeah, I'm right here, dog. Where my dogs at? We right here, dog. Where my dogs at? This is the fucking shit I be talking about. Yeah. Half-rapping ass motherfuckers. You think it's a game? You think it's so fucking game? Come on. Direct deposit. Back at it again. Listen, I don't know if you've ever been to Boston, if you lived in Boston, but I know one thing. You've heard the terms on dogs, on dogs, on dead dogs, on alive dogs, on sick dogs, on rich dogs, on poor dogs, on dogs. Where does that term come from? Like, how is that a Boston thing? I just gave you the genesis of it, basically. It came from DMX back in 98, 99. That's how that term became such a prevalent term on dogs. My mentor, Ron, put me on to it as well, and he exemplified it for me, showed me. If you were getting money in Boston back in 2000, 2001, you had a dog. If you lived in other areas outside there, maybe 08, 09, yeah, you you had a dog too, you caught on. But in Boston itself, I'm talking about in the hood, in Roxbury, in Dorchester, in Mattapan. If you were getting money, you had a dog. You had a truck, too. Your truck had rims on it, 20 inches. It's way before, you know, T.I. was talking about 20 foes. Very, very very different deal. it It was in 2000 when it really took off. It was actually a dog war at the Fleet Center, which is what used to be called the TD Garden. Rough Riders got chased out of Boston because they were really not about their dog life. True story. Look it up. Chased the Rough Riders, Deluxe, Lil Wayne, Cash Money, DMX got chased out of Boston. Don't you come back here. It was a rough place back in the day. This is before the big dig. Boston was very, very different. It wasn't such a prevalent place. It wasn't a play easy place to be. This is the direct deposit. Back at it again. So, yeah, Boston, early 2000s, very, very different. And that's what I mean to say. Completely different league, completely different place. That's how it occurred. DMX was big. It was huge. There was a serious dog culture in Boston, too, amongst the get money crowd. Everyone tried to emulate it, but the get money crowd was the one that could sustain that dog lifestyle because dogs cost money. Dogs are supposed to be well fed. Dogs, they need a place to live. You can't just have a random dog in the projects. Doesn't make sense. So it had to be the get money crowd that, that got the dogs. If you had a dog in Boston in 1999 to through 2003, you were getting money. That's what that meant. If you had a dog and a car and your car had rims, yeah, you could command your way anywhere in the city. This was a major thing. If you had a dog and a car and a crib. It, it was over. You know, the girls were just all over you. That's how it happened. And your dog was very serious. Your dog became your companion. It was that your dog was you. You, you didn't let anybody just speak on your dog like that. This is pre-gentrification Boston. This is different. Boston was a rough place back then. It was even rougher when the Rough Riders came. Because they weren't about their dog life. They came, they were stunting in the city. And you don't stunt in the city. You didn't stunt in the city back then. You didn't come and flash off your jewels and start taking all the women to yourself. I mean, that's, that's not a Boston thing. And they let him know it wasn't a Boston thing. They let Paul Pierce know, too, that it wasn't a Boston thing. They sent him to Tough Medical Medical Center. They also sent the Rough Riders, cash money, the locks, and DMX, the whole crew, to the Medical Center, too. It was a very difficult situation. Happened at the Fleet Center. Because they weren't about that dog life. They didn't know how to play by the rules when they came to Boston. Boston was a very thorough place. You had to be on your P's and Q's when you came here because necessarily people thought it was all white people till they came. We got Cape Verdeans. We got Haitians that don't play. I don't think people knew what a Dominican was back then, but they do now. It's always been run by immigrant circles, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about on dogs. So that term came about to be on dogs. This was during the 2000s, during the Michael Vick era. Dogs were a huge thing. People traded dogs. People fought dogs. You didn't disrespect someone's dog. It was a a thing for someone to take care of their dog. It was huge. And that's where the on dogs term came from. But you had to have been in the hood to know this. A dog was like a you were auditioning and showing off to a potential woman. That you know you could take care of stuff. You know how to take you you taking care of your business. Atlanta was a dog capital of the United States of the pit bull, and it wasn't just any type of dog they were talking about too. It was the pit bull. Pit bulls were huge. It was just pit bulls. Pit bulls signal something. Especially if your pit bull was healthy. And it was eaten. If your dogs are eating, you good. That's all it was. On dogs. Ugh. I'm glad you waited for all this. This is the direct deposit episode eight. Stay black. Stay black. I've been going around saying that to people. And I love watching their reactions when I say it said it to black people in public on purpose in front of white people and they're like <gasps> they're looking shocked. But it's like I say gotcha right afterwards because they're they're not authentically black. If you're shocked somebody tells you to stay black. You should embrace your blackness. You shouldn't be shocked that someone tells you to stay black. It shouldn't be a shocking thing that someone tells you to stay black in front of white people. That's a bold person that tells you that in the area of white in the area that you're in. In your shock? Come on now. I'm pulling your card. In front of everybody. You want to make sure you're comfortable being black. It's okay. You should walk in your blackness. It's a comfortable thing. Teaching my daughter to be comfortable being black. You don't got to compromise for anything or anyone. You got schools for yourself out there. There's, there's industries for you. You have specialized talents that people, that people can't even proceed to. Social media follows you around. No one else. You around. They want to know where Black Twitter's thinking. Whatever you're thinking is going to be the next biggest trend. That's what I'm trying to instill. That's what I'm trying to tell her. Black is beautiful. Black is strong. Black is dominant. Black does not compromise. Black does not is not deficient. Black is everything. That's what I've been telling. That's what I've been trying to instill. People around me, man, they think I'm weird. Because they're like, what are you talking about all this black stuff? And these are black people telling me this. Hey, chill, chill, chill. I'm like, yo, yo, you chill. Because you, you don't know what you, what you're dealing with. But uh, I'm going to stay black. I'm going to tell you to stay black. I'm going to continue to directly deposit blackness to you. Because you're not going to get this type of perspective anywhere else in the region that we live in, in Boston. You're not going to find it anywhere else. No one's going to speak to you this confidently about what the topics I'm speaking to you about about the perspective that I'm giving you. You think David Price is talking to anyone about how he's feeling? There's no one he can talk to. Besides old Red Sox players that you can probably call up. But Jim Rice and Mo Vaughn aren't going to, they left. He's stuck at that contract. He's in. This is the direct deposit. The end of